This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. Welcome on board. It's week one in the National Football League, and my ambition today is to be your tour guide as we recap the lid lifter. There it is, one lid lifter already, just seconds into the podcast. And uh, man, what an interesting game last night and some of the conclusions already drawn by even some members of the NFL media, but more notably, a fan base that has access to a keyboard or a phone and thumbs can convey messages that are absolutely hideous. And I want to share a couple of those with you a little bit later on. 31-10, our final last night, the Bills living up to the hype. We'll get to it in a second. Other things I want to do on this podcast today, let me just call it a show, okay? It's a show. This is our show. This is our time together. We get it twice a week here on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. We've had a little bit of line movement uh, from earlier in the week, and this is something I talked about in the Ten Commandments of improving your sports investing opportunities, and that is get on these lines earlier in the week because, and I've had one move in my favor and I've had one move against me. The one in my favor is the bears in San Francisco. And I know that's the game. Most of you want to hear me flap my gums about today because you're interested in the bears, the development of Justin Fields this year, just huge. What is that defense going to look like with so much inexperience and youth comments made this week by cornerback Jalen Johnson that deserve some discussion. Other games around the league this weekend, including I've got three interesting quarterbacks who are going against their former teams and nothing bigger than Russell Wilson going back to Seattle with the Broncos. They are favored over a Seattle team that looks like it might be among the worst. Certainly the worst Pete Carroll team, I think most of us believe, is on the horizon. The absence of respect being shown the Bengals, not necessarily this week, but on the season, both as a team and some of the individuals who who are part of that AFC champion roster that aren't getting the, the you know, they're just due according to the those who wager and according to those who set the line, Joe Burrow, uh, I think should be a, a, a much less attractive to those of us who are wagers. If you think Burrow can win the MVP again, there is money to be made, my friends. But the hype machine wasn't bigger than it was for any team uh, like it was for the Buffalo Bills this summer. Lots of people jumping on board thinking, 
Kansas City's advancement over the Bills in the divisional round was flukish. The Bills, I think, outplayed the Chiefs in the game. But on the scoreboard, that's what freaking matters. And the Chiefs moved on, and they got popped by the Bengals in the title game. And the Bengals go on and play the Rams. There hasn't been a lot of respect given to Sean McVay's defending champions. And last night, we saw some evidence of why. And I want to go big picture on quarterback Matthew Stafford in just a little bit and try to widen the focus on where this guy at the age of 34 might be. I'm not saying he is, but where he might be between the ears after winning his first championship on the heels of 12 years in Detroit where he just got his teeth kicked in season after season and never got a chance to win a playoff game. Well, he got chances, but they didn't win them. And one of my favorite stats in the history of the uh, NFL, or at least the current NFL, the Detroit Lions have won one playoff game since the Eisenhower administration. And when Bears fans think about their frustration, looking at the Ted Phillips record these last few days, the last week since his retirement was announced, and he talked this week, there's comments I want to get to from Phillips, I thought certainly are worthwhile, but Under his direction, the Bears have won three playoff games. The Lions, long before Ted Phillips ever became empowered, before he sat in the throne in Lake Forth, they got three playoff wins. So there are great football fan bases, Bears fans, that have been deprived and depraved so much longer than Bears fans have had to endure. Let's get to the Bills. 31-10 winners over the Rams last night, and it wasn't even that close. The Bills survived four turnovers last night, three of them in the first half. Josh, Not all of them were on Josh Allen. There was one pick that um, I I think it was his second pick uh, that wasn't really on him. Same on the other side with Matthew Stafford. He tried to hit Cooper Cup on kind of a no-look pass. Very Mahomesian of Stafford early in the fourth quarter. It didn't appear Cooper Cup was ready for it. I don't know if he'd not seen that in practice, and it was all improv on the quarterback's part, but it goes clanking off of Cup's hands. He had a great night, by the way, Cooper Cup, the defending triple crown winner at wide receiver. Fantasy players most impressed with him last night, and I'm in that group. You're happy for me, I'm sure. But Stafford never looked comfortable last night. All due respect to the Buffalo defense. They got after him all night. They dirtied the uniform of Matthew Stafford. They sacked him seven times last night. Uh, that's a Bills opening day record for most sackage in a, uh, in a lid lifter, two of them. Um, they had six against the Vikings in 94, seven of them against the Rams last night. And they did it without sending a ton of additional pressure. Their coverages on Rams receivers were really good. Cooper Cup hurt him. He had a big game last night. But the others, not so much, including former Bear Allen Robinson, who got pounded on social media last night. The Bills absolutely crushed it on third down. They were 9 out of 10 on third down opportunities. They didn't punt the entire night. It's the fourth time in their last six games 
Bills punter Sam Martin hasn't had to break his sweat. Now, in case you're you're counting the quarters for Martin to make sure he earns a varsity letter this year, he did touch the ball five times last night. Uh, he's the holder for for the Bills place kicker, Tyler somebody. Um, you know what? When you beat Chris Moore's longtime record, or Steve Christie's Super Bowl record, 54 yards, let me know. Then we'll know your name, Buffalo guy. But we're going to let the Bills punter fly back on the team, playing with him today. Uh, because all of his holds were outstanding, and maybe he'll get a chance to punt next week. Now, it's not necessarily all great. You don't punt. Four turnovers have a hell of a lot to do with that. Um, Defense by the Bills, outstanding. Their secondary, maybe I haven't given Jordan Poyer enough credit. Um, Maybe I expect too much of the position. I want takeaways. And he got one last night. He he was the guy who was the recipient of the, the no-look pass when Stafford couldn't connect with Cup. Uh, so he catches it. It's a pick. He's going to get those this year. He's a really good player. Uh, I like my safeties more physical than Poyer is, but that's an art that is part of yesterday's NFL. Corners and safeties don't like to drill you like they used to. That's a business decision. Just get the guy out of bounds. Don't worry about a highlight reel. You know, the game is more fun when it's played very physically. And I I loathe the way secondary players have made tackles. Um, It's a bugaboo for me. Uh, That and bear traps, for those of you who have enjoyed stepbrothers in your life. So the Bills are impressive everywhere while the Rams uh, flailed. And the handsome Sean McVay, who lost his first season opener last night as Rams headmaster, pointed the thumb, not the finger. We'll see how the Rams respond. Allen Robinson had one catch last night for 12 yards. Uh, Not radically better last year in a down year with the Bears, his final of four seasons when he, he teamed up with Andy Dalton on six catches for 35 yards. And the reaction on Twitter from Bears fans amuses me. I always enjoy watching local fans or listening to local fans when one of the guys who was a polarizing figure when he was here, or maybe he was beloved when he was here, when he goes elsewhere, how people feel and how they express those feelings about a player's successes or failures elsewhere. And some cat on Twitter who calls himself the Bears blog uh, had this tweet, wow, Trubisky made Allen Robinson. You don't hear that very often. Mitch Trubisky uh, starting against Joe Burrow as the Steelers open the season this weekend. That's a fun divisional game right out of the shoot, and I'll give you my pick on that. That's one of my better three plays, part of my, my top three of the week. The gridiron assassin, I, I thought grid, uh, veteran football observer he is, and longtime fantasy guy and lover of Tony Iommi's mangled fingers on the axe, uh, he tweeted, he put it on the Rams, saying they guaranteed this guy $30 million. What were they thinking? I don't know, because Robinson, while I give him more credit for his return After ACL surgery, last year in Jacksonville, 17, following the season, he has an ACL reconstruct. So he's coming back with that after signing a free agent deal with the Bears. 
And his first year was less than impressive. Um, Robinson's numbers in 18 were not outstanding, but he comes back in 19 with 98 catches for 1,147 yards and seven touchdowns. The following year in 2020, he caught 102 passes for 1,250 yards. That's his best ever with the Bears and six touchdowns. But last year, a precipitous fall, and that frustrates Bears fans. It frustrates media, I think, who were part of the hype machine who overvalued Allen Robinson's contributions. I think Chicago is a town that is so thirsty to have the records of Johnny Morris and Harlan Hill and Mike frickin' Ditka stricken from the record books. Where is the new wine dying on the vine in Los Angeles, Allen Robinson? We were listening to some younger broadcasters, opinion makers, touting Allen Robinson as a top five receiver in the league. And then we came time to pay Robinson. People suggested you absolutely franchise him. You got to keep him. Is Allen Robinson now, or is he not now, but was he ever a top five receiver in the NFL? Why would you pay him that? And that's what you're doing when you franchise tag a guy. And I can't believe the CBA still allows this stuff. The owners admit the honest ones who are going to be the most transparent tell you it's not good for the players. We it's it doesn't create a good environment when that we one year a guy that that's in that sport in that vocation, especially playing wide receiver or running back, where you are one lethal hit away from never walking right again. It's not an easy thing to accept if you're a star player being franchised. Devontae Adams, absolutely. Even though the Packers made him a better offer ultimately than the Raiders did, and he chose to go with the Raiders, he said because he wanted to be with Derek Carr. Maybe it was the initial discussion of franchise tagging him that put him off and sent him to Sin City. If I was Devontae, if I were Devontae Adams, because I'm not subjunctive mood, I was at Ball State the day they tra- taught linguistics. I, I, there's no way I would want to accept a franchise deal. You just watched Odell Beckham of the Rams get his knee blown up in the Super Bowl when he was en route to winning a Super Bowl MVP. That is a life-changing event to win the Super Bowl MVP. You're going to get you're going to get endorsement money for the next 20 years, maybe a lifetime. Speaking engagements. You know what that looks like on the marquee, even though that that sort of revenue stream for athletes, coaches, even media has died a lot, especially during a pandemic. You don't see or hear about as many banquets, but if you could get a Super Bowl MVP to speak to a room of 200 lawyers at, at a conference or 300 insurance adjusters, that guy is going to make money for talking about what he did once upon a time. And Beckham was en route to that. And he got his knee blown out. So you see that and you're Adams and you say, man, F you on your franchise tag. I'm the best in the game or at least top two. I'm not ready to go there yet on Stefan Diggs, like my pal Joe Kane said on Facebook late last night, the former Bears linebacker says, no, you can't name two receivers in the league better than Stephon Diggs. I can't. Uh, but I love Joe's assessment of what Buffalo did defensively. Nonetheless, 
Robinson worked his ass off to come back from the ACL. He was a good team guy. For the most part, he led quietly. He wanted to to do the, you know, the right thing, if you will, lack of better words at the moment here, uh, and be a team spokesman as a highly paid free agent acquisition. He agreed to do radio shows with us. He wasn't very interesting very often, but he gave it a shot. He was on time almost every time. Um, and, and then spat out many cliches, but that's not why you pay a guy or well, don't, why you don't pay a guy or how you value a guy necessarily. He had back-to-back very solid years with the Bears. Don't put it on Allen Robinson that the buildup for his level of skill exceeded his actual talent. He didn't manufacture that. We did as media and fans. I'm not going to pound Allen Robinson and wish bad things on him. It's money poorly spent, likely, by the Rams. $30 million for a guy on the tail end. I mean, that's back nine stuff. There was a guy who checked this wager out yesterday. Somebody at Bet Rivers wagered $11,000 on Allen Robinson's longest reception last night of 20.5 yards. 20.5, just just one little out and up. Just one little sneaky move from a pretty good quarterback when he's on in Matt Stafford. He was targeted one time. He caught one pass for 12 yards. And somebody lost $11,000. The bet was minus 128, by the way. Uh, wager 100, lose 128, for those of you who don't speak the wagering language. And get with it, by the way. It's un-American not to move on opening day. And I've done a 180, man. I, I'm doing the three-team steamer on, on Sunday. Just wrapping up the Bills and, and Rams. If I, I'm going to be interested to see how both teams respond to this. The Bills certainly making the people who are on their lip smack, making the people on their bandwagon look accurate. But if you want to crown them now, Dennis Green, crown their ass. I won't. It's a great start for Josh Allen. I was hoping to see James Cook do something. The rookie running back, second rounder. You can't draft a running back in the first round now because not only are teams looking forward to treating running backs like trash after the first contract, they don't want to draft you in the first round either anymore because they don't want to pay you because you're a fungible asset. You're a running back. You're not much different than the shoulder pads and helmets we wear. So, Cook gets a carry earlier in the game and coughs it up. It's one of Buffalo's three first-half turnovers. It didn't hurt the Bills. Uh, nothing hurt the Bills last night. They gave the Rams a ton of opportunities, but Cook doesn't see the ball the rest of the night, if I remember it right. And I thought, as much as you don't like to uh, to lean on Devin Singletary, who's, who's a, you know, he's, a, he's, he's elusive. He reminds me of Jarek McKinnon when he was on top of his game as a a back who could spell Dalvin Cook or Adrian Peterson types in Vikings teams gone by and and contribute in that way. The bubble screen guy, you know, run him on a little inside misdirection, short routes, and he might break a tackle. He gets small. He has some assets, but he is not a number one by any stretch. And Moss, who was hurt last year behind him, doesn't do anything for me. 
Both of those players are light in the ass. And I like my running backs a little bit thicker in the glutes. Give me Saquon Barkley. And now they say he's hurt a lot. All right, give me Jonathan Taylor. And now I'll jinx Taylor. Last thing I want to say about the Rams, and it's most specific, more specifically about Matthew Stafford. It would be, and I'm not saying this is the case, but it would be incredibly human on his part at the age of 34, after finally getting on a good team and winning a Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl MVP, 12 long years in the Motor City and not enough help to get you advancement in the playoffs. Some of it's on Stafford. I'm not pointing the finger entirely at his supporting cast, but who was the Lions' last really meaningful running back? Uh, was it Barry? I, I, I don't know. I, they haven't had much help there. And Calvin Johnson's a Hall of Fame player, but that's pretty much where it ends. TJ Hawkinson early in his career was, yeah, he hasn't had much. So it would be very human on behalf of Stafford. After all he went through to get there, without Brady talent, without Rodgers talent, regular season talent, for those of you who want to hate on Rodgers, and be accurate, barring one season, 2010, when they won it all, uh, it would be very easy to say, I got it. I did it. And not put in the work in the offseason. To the victors come the spoils. He is smart enough to know he's never going to be regarded as one of the all-time greats, but he's a very, very good player. And he has accomplished the ultimate prize in his profession. He has won a championship, and he was the MVP of the game. So I'm eager to see how he responds to a dreadful opening night performance. Matt Gay kicked a 57-yard field goal for the Rams last night right before the half. 10-10 at half. Matt Gay, your table is ready. In golf lingo, he let out the shaft for that swing. I mean, he pounded it. The sound of that hoochie after it left his foot was just delicious. Fun opener. Not artful by any stretch, but a fun opener. Ted Phillips this week. Soon out the door. We're told. We've been told that before, but he's retiring altogether, and they'll bring in a new president and CEO. And naturally, the woof woofers are screaming for Gary Fencing. Smart guy, no experience as an NFL guy. Should get Gary on the show very soon. Be one of those rare cases where I'd like to talk to somebody for 20 minutes. The only time we're going to do a guest is when I can get somebody, a lot of guys can't, and he's in the news. Or can be in the news if I can pull something out of him. And I got a few of those guys in my pocket. Once we get past football season, we're not going to talk about the 2023 Blackhawks. So maybe we'll find a couple of guys from eras gone by. Uh, Anyway, uh, I've lost my train of thought. That's what happens when you don't sleep. Big ass weekend for me. Uh, Last weekend. I'll get to that briefly a little bit later on with a football alumni reunion that was absolutely 100% intensely meaningful to me and a lot of other dudes last Friday night at our high school. I'll get to that. But Ted Phillips, when he was addressing questions this week on the 326-acre land of heaven 
They've got carved out up in Arlington Heights with three other municipalities also in line to receive benefits and also to shoulder the load. Phillips told an audience there will be under no circumstances the Bears would do a second Soldier Field renovation. Saw that movie. He didn't say that, but we saw that 20 years ago. It cost the Bears three quarters of a billion dollars to put a scenic blight on the lake that still isn't large enough for an NFL stadium. It's not domed or retractably domed, so it never will host winter events, a Final Four, et cetera, et cetera, bringing billions of dollars into the city for revenue with hotels, restaurants. The buzz it creates, tourism mushrooms, when your city is on the national stage for a Super Bowl or for a Final Four. The Arlington Heights facility, which will probably see, well, what, Three years. When's the best? When's the first time the Bears kicked the ball in Arlington Heights? How many years after Matt Eberflus is shown the door? Uh, not trying to be Danny Downer, but let's look at history here. It is not on Eberflus's side. Five of the last seven Bears head coaches have been named Coach of the Year by somebody, some publication, some news service. Uh, Wanstead got one in his second year. Dick Geron got one in 0-1. Matt Nagy got one in 18. Five of the last seven have won that award. Maybe Eberflus will be next. It won't be this year. Likely won't be next. Uh, just uh, I strongly suspect he will not be on the headset when Arlington Heights opens. I don't think that's going out on a limb. The line has moved. Oh, the last thing I want to say about Phillips. Yeah, I was ho- I'm was. i hoping the applause that statement about not renovating Soldier Field again, I hope the applause was the byproduct of sarcasm. I can't see any reason why you would seriously applaud the Bears and genuinely mean it for not making the same mistake. That had to be sarcasm. Please, Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic, tell me that was sarcasm. It had to be. And how do you determine intent when an audience cheers or boos? I guess you have to look at their faces, right? I couldn't look at their faces on Twitter. I only could hope that it was sarcasm. The Bears and 49ers have moved. It was 7 when I went to bed Thursday night. This morning, it's six and a half. The Niners are a six and a half point favorite Sunday. Noon kickoff on the freshly laid Bermuda grass. We'll see if it's taken. We'll see if the rain we're expecting to get Sunday does terrible things. And Roger Bossard sits somewhere laughing because the Bears wouldn't pay him. I was going to take the Bears if they got seven or more. I'll take the 49ers laying six and a half. Trey Lance has a lot to prove. And I I, I think Kyle Shanahan made a terrible error this week by announcing to the world his quarterback does have a lot to prove. He didn't name him a captain. The 49ers have six captains. Their quarterback and the future of the franchise, future face of the franchise, isn't one of them. Really? 
How can your quarterback, your team leader, garner the confidence of 10 other dudes in that huddle if he's not have, he doesn't have a C on his shirt? What the hell are they thinking? Forget the player vote, if that's part of it. You're the head coach. You can trump a player vote. Nobody's going to find out what, what your final tally was. You're not going to be an investigation on this one. Um, and no need for it. You're the head coach. Name your captains. He didn't name his quarterback a captain. I was among those horribly scratching his head. What the F are they thinking? Letting go of Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, Garoppolo is not a world beater. He posted Bob Greasy playoff numbers when his team got to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. They took the ball out of his hands. But he also played well in some big games. And he's good for the occasional dopey interception. Some of the all-time greats were as well, including the very much in trouble Brett Favre, but that's next week's show as we preview week two, Bears and Packers. Bears have lost 45 of the last 60 meetings. There's your stat for next week you'll want to remember. But uh, <laughs> I, I I named the guy a captain. Do you see what the Colts did? The Colts named seven dudes captains this week. Do you really need seven captains? I mean. Are, are we one of 32 NFL franchises be, who, which believes we're going to the playoffs this year? Uh, seven, are we Appalachian State? Do you need seven? Three great players on defense. I'm called DeForest Buckner, a great player. He was last year. I wasn't sure how much he had left. He was a great pass rusher for the Colts. Their only pass rusher consistently. Uh, Darius Shaq Leonard is one of my favorite players in the game. He's in his fifth year. He's the best player at his position, I think, in the league today. In four years, he's for 17 fumbles, man. Get that ball out. Get it out. Roquan Smith has one, by the way, in case you've, you've, uh, you're late to the party here on the Danny Mac podcast. That was one of my favorite stats a few weeks ago. Um, so I'm taking the 49ers minus six and a half. The total is 40 down a tick. There are interesting prop bets in the game. Do you think Lance will throw one interception? I do too. You make money on that play. Uh, plus 118 if memory serves. And I have notes written down. Some of them look like they're written in English. Uh, plus 116. Plus 116 on the Trey Lance pick. Now, will it be Jalen Johnson who gets it? One of the best corners in the NFL, Johnson says earlier this week. Man, I'm in my third year. I'm a high draft choice. Not a first rounder, but a high draft choice. I talk about my game willingly early on before I've made a, my first NFL start. And I have one interception in two years. And I stand before reporters this week where I work and I tell them, forget my stats. I'm one of the best players in my position in the league. And everybody knows that. I will grant Johnson this. Interceptions are not everything for a corner, but there's something. You get recognized for splash plays defensively. Guys who are great cover guys, knock the ball. Yeah, it's great. It's what you want. You want to get off the field. Get off. Get off. Get the offense back out there. Best way to do that is to shorten the field and strip the MF and ball away from guys or tip it and someone else gets it. He's not been a difference maker in two years. Just play, man. Just play. I know we want our athletes to be candid and interesting. 
and say cool things, but you just play in your case. Your team is expected to be bad. You're expected to be one of the leaders. You don't become a leader by telling everybody how good you've been, even though they think the jury is still out. Thumbs down. Jalen Johnson, third-year corner. The Chiefs' number is up. The Chiefs are now laying five and a half against the Cardinals Sunday. That started at four, at least when I saw it Tuesday. Kansas City was a four-point favorite. It's the only team I'm seeing get consistent love from media when I've looked at the season predictions. And I've read six or eight guys on Pro Football Talk, and I've seen what the ESPN guys are picking. I blitzed through all of them. I don't have them committed to memory. I don't care. But I know the Chiefs are running second in the popularity contest, the court of public opinion on which team represents the AFC in 57. I understand that. I agree with it. I think the Chargers are right there with the Chiefs. Uh, Chargers, by the way, this weekend, where's my Chargers line? There they are, three-and-a-half-point favorites over the Raiders. I like the Raiders to be more competitive than the rest of the world this year, but I I don't think they can win the division, even though I talked about them at plus 1,100. Devontae Adams is going to make an enormous di- difference, but they've got to shore up some, some coverage issues on the other side. Front seven's pretty good. Their pass rush is consistently good. Max with the unnecessary second X. Crosby is consistently around the quarterback. Their offensive line wasn't very good last year, and Josh Jacobs was hurt a lot, wasn't himself. You write those, you write two or three of those four blemishes, you've got something. But you got the Chargers and Justin Herbert and his 5,000 passing yards. Uh, bad, good receivers, real good running back and Eckler and a head coach who thinks with his penis in Brandon Staley, no coach in the NFL went for it on fourth down last year, more than Brandon Staley. He did it deep in his own end late in the season. He didn't get to, uh, week 19. He didn't see a playoff game. That's the best team in the league last year to not go to the playoffs. Colts were another one of those very good teams. But, uh, yeah, and looking forward to seeing that AFC West shakeout in Denver with Russell Wilson going back to Seattle to take on the well-traveled Geno Smith. Russell Wilson over under passing yards, 254.5 at Bet Rivers right now. That's a minus 114. So you lose a little bit if you belly up more than your initial investment. Baker Mayfield leading the Carolina Panthers against uh, against Team Jonah Hill, the Cleveland Browns. I feel bad for Cleveland fans, but I root against the organization. They really behaved recklessly, stupidly, in my opinion, for a couple years now. Their leader was a D-bag. Mayfield's why he's out. He's out even with Deshaun Watson missing 11 games. He, you know, this you're gonna go with Jacoby Brissett. You're you you hate Baker Mayfield. He's left such a bad taste in your mouth. Heisman Trophy winner can go to Carolina because we got Jacoby Brissett. I'm rooting against the Panthers. It's easy for me to dislike Matt Rule. I, I shouldn't for the reason I, I I dislike him, but I'm being forthright with you. 
He's making way more money than guys like Mike Tomlin and five or six other guys who have the proverbial skins on the wall. Oh, man. I, I like the Bengals laying six and a half. That's my the second half, part number two, rather, the cream filling between the cookie sandwiches, the crunchy cookie. I'm taking the Bengals at the in the 325 minus six and a half against the Steelers. If I'm Burrow, I'm feeding my team the no respect card because they'll listen to you because you're a cocky ass leader and people bought in last year. You won an MVP. They love you. You got a second year wide receiver who's a difference maker in Jamar Chase and they've shored up the offensive line. It couldn't get a whole lot worse than it was a year ago. Against the Steelers, total on Jamar Chase receiving yards is 71 and a half, minus 115. Propositional play this week, Go. I'm going over. I'm not telling you to go over, because then you'll get mad at me on, on Monday if I belly up. I'm going Jamar Chase if I'm going. A Joe Burrow touchdown pass is one and a half. You got to pay big if you lose. It's minus 165. But I like Burrow to have three, two touchdowns on opening day. Trubisky against Burrow. See, at least Tomlin is smart enough to put the C on his opening day quarterback, unlike Kyle Shanahan. Mitch Trubisky, and he's got wolves already howling at the door because the local kid, Kenny Pickett, is waiting in the wings. He's the future. The first-round pick out of Pitt, hometown team. They're dying to see Mitch fall on his face, a lot of them. I understand why Tomlin gave Trubisky the start. He's been there. I, I'm not a Trubisky guy. I'm not Dave Watson. I, I, I wasn't among those of you who hated men. I, you know, I think Mitch lacks the mental acuity and leadership qualities that are requisite to the job of being a big-time NFL quarterback. He lacks those things. But he battles. He's easy to like, I guess, because he's such a yokel and so rubbish and and innocent. And it's not his fault he was way overdrafted. It's like, you know, not Allen Robinson's fault. People built him up. It's not Trubisky's fault. Ryan Pace had to have a guy with 13 college starts on his resume. Man, quarterbacks going against their old teams, part of the very thick plots for opening day. It's going to be fun. So my three-team steamer, and I call this the steamer. You know anything about a steamboat? A steamboat is a chugger. It's not a cigarette boat that has several thousand horsepower that can just skitter across the lake at dangerous speeds. A steamer chugs along. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I do the Thomas the Tank Engine song for you, but I've had very little rest, so I don't want to screw up the lyrics. Uh, by the way, I think Ringo Starr was the best narrator of the three in Thomas the Tank Engine, uh, outdoing George Carlin and Alec Baldwin, in case you didn't know. Oh, man. Uh, lost my train of thought here. <laughs> Not a surprise. Dudes, I'm tired because the football angel has been on my shoulder. I didn't sleep last night. I'm watching post game until one in the morning. I'm online playing with with fans of the podcast, playing with people who just hate my freaking guts. Um, three team steamer. Okay, that's that was the thought. Finish this because the parlay on opening day, the noon 
325, 720 Sunday night is the three-team steamer. I don't put a lot of money on steamers because it's hard enough winning one game. It's even harder to win two. You're going to win three NFL games against the number? Ooh, that don't happen often. Lunch money investment. Derrick Henry's Titans, who are laying five and a half in their opener against the Giants. That line hasn't moved. It's five and a half, 43 and a half. I'm taking the Titans. I'm taking the Bengals at six and a half. And I got to take the Bucks against the Cowboys. The number has moved up a point. It's two and a half this morning. It was one and a half last I looked Wednesday afternoon. I think it was the last time I looked at that. Because I'm worried about Tom Brady this year, and you should be too. The boy is maritally distraught. He's old. He's 45. Two outstanding offensive linemen are out for the year. And, uh, man, poor Tom. I love the Bucks against the Cowboys. There's your steamer. Three of them. There's my steamer. Again, I don't want you to take ownership of it. That's my move. That's my move. So when I was a teenager, uh, as, a, as a lot of teenage boys can relate, I lacked confidence with girls. The things that interested me were not interesting to the ladies. Couple it with horrible acne. <laughs> you quickly start to seek the affection of the boys. And with the exception of a week of Babe Ruth League Baseball in 1977, I never really felt confident until the three or four months that were my senior year of high school football. We went undefeated. Uh, I was a two-way starter and co-captain. Uncle Rico time. Made all conference, but what I was most proud of is winning the PhD award for Pride, Hustle, Desire. First guy there, last guy to leave. Always kicking ass in the way. It meant a lot to me. I gained confidence. I gained life skills. Mock it if you will. But the, the radio wheel I did for 35 years when hosting a show was basically a copy of my high school football coach's practice plan, Dave Shelbourne. Coach Shelbourne was honored this past Friday night at our high school. He's been gone since 88. He was the head coach in Highland High, Northwest Indiana, 1975-1988. team my senior year in 78. 10-0 again four years later. In 87, his team starts the year 1-4 and four and pulls it together, gets some injured players back, and they go to the state championship game and lose 14-7. to Had a freshman quarterback. Coach Shelbourne shaped a lot of lives, and I was, I was heartened to see so many of his former players show up to pay homage, to express their affection and admiration for a guy who did it right when we were at our most fragile state. When we were trying to find out who we were and trying to garner some confidence to go into this world, Coach Shelbourne and his assistant coaches fed that, and they made us work. They held us accountable. They praised those who needed praise. They kicked the asses of those who needed it. And I, I needed both. I needed stimulation from a male model who I trusted. No disrespect to my late father. He, he had a full plate. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't deal with everything in his life. 
So I needed guidance and confidence from my football coaches and Coach Shelbourne provided. He's an Indiana high school, or a football Hall of Famer. He started at Lou Wallace High School many years ago. He quarterbacked Northwestern's team. He's been a guidance counselor. He's been a friend. He has two wonderful sons, David or Michael David. I always juxtapose that. And Scott. And I met Scott's twin kids, Hadley and Carter. Carter has autism. And Carter is is so wonderfully socially engaged and just a pleasure to stick a microphone in front of the, the twins' faces and interview them as well and interview former teammates, guys I admired like Dan Dumasich, a year ahead of me, has been very successful, former attorney, very successful attorney here in the region. And I believe he's been doing politics the last few years. Tommy Homko from that 87 team who played for the L.A. and St. Louis Rams, 92 through 97. Uh, he came back. He flew in for the event with both of his co-captains, Jason Evans and Mike Stuckert. Uh, Mike went to an Ivy League school. <laughs> great athletes, great guys. All coming back to pay homage to our coach who shaped our lives. And I was just tickled the support group, brought him back to acknowledge his many contributions because I was not a fan of the way his exit went down, even though I had no horse in that race, no dog in that fight. Pick a cliche. My kids didn't play, and I was okay with that, I promise you. But when he got by, I didn't have kids at the time, but when he got bounced, I was furious. I did some investigating. Sometimes administrators don't know what the they're doing they think they do but they make critical decisions that are the wrong ones and while you know coaches like to move along and start new things and become the architect of something great somewhere else and coach Shelbourne did that in Indianapolis at two different schools after he was kind of pushed out at Highland it was just a real meaningful night. And you know what was really cool about it? <laughs> I can't remember the last time I got together with a large group of dudes, mostly my age and right around. I mean, there were guys a couple of years ahead of me as far back as Coach Shelbourne's second year in the fall of 76, Captain Jim Kiske, Kissy. He was there, guys as recently as, as, as after Dave was the head coach there. A good mix of age and classes represented. Not one conversation about our bodies not functioning today. We put logs on the fire and reminisced about a time when our bodies had, had yet to betray us. And God was that nice. And went out for pizzas afterward. And it was just a really super meaningful night. And uh, Jay Simmons is the guy who runs the Gridiron Club support group. And I give a big, big tip of the cap to Jay for uh, going in the Wayback Machine to pay homage to a guy who did a great job, along with his assistants, Al Holock, Pete Hedges, and Dan Miller. It was a great night. Um, and this weekend's going to be great. Getting together with a former roommate, Roger Good. He is the good handicapper. He probably won't play this weekend. He'll wait until he sees a really delicious move in week two or week three and then put two grand on it. He's got balls, but he doesn't play recklessly. I hope you don't either, but I hope you play. 
Hope you enjoy week one of the NFL season as much as I enjoy my oldest son's wedding on Saturday afternoon. My baby boy has found his girl. I love her. He's my fishing buddy, my golf buddy when I can play the game physically. And uh, I've been asked uh, by my soon-to-be daughter-in-law to uh, to welcome people to the reception. And uh, it's another reason I didn't sleep last night. I want to say the right things, and I want to move people because her father has mechanical skills. My son's stepfather has mechanical skills. I don't know the difference between a crescent wrench and a ratchet. I was the guy who had to go run and get lunch for the guys in auto mechanics in high school. I am, I have no clue. I have no desire. I use words. That's what I've done. That's what I, there's one skill in life. You must be of a use. Dr. Larch said to Toby Maguire's character in the cider house rules. One of the most underrated movies of all time. I use words, and I hopefully my words tomorrow night mean something to my oldest son, Van, and, and my soon-to-be daughter-in-law. She called me dad in a text this week, and it took me 61 years and change to get here to hear that from a woman or a girl. This is my first, uh, <laughs> first entry into being the father-in-law of a girl, and... Um, She's wonderful, and they're going to have uh, they're going to have a wonderful day tomorrow and a wonderful week in a beautiful place. Thank you so very kindly for letting me indulge uh, with a little personal stuff there at the end. Next week, we will recap the Bears and Niners on Monday. Why we wanted to do this today early was to get used to the feel of the quick turnaround. Hopefully, it's a little bit quicker once we get to Mondays because I want to have the Danny Mac podcast available for you before morning drive is a wrap on the sports yappers. No reason we can't get it turned around by eight thirty nine o'clock. If we start rolling at seven, that means you, Adam Delavitt, Mr. Bet Rivers have got to step on it on Monday mornings for us. I know Sam Michael, my producer and right-hand man with my terrestrial show as well is going to be there for me. I want to have Sunday night's game. I, I don't want to go into production Sunday early evening. What if something huge happens and I don't have it on Monday morning? You're going to think I'm a chotch, a poser. I'm not. I'm a football man, and I'm here to talk with you about it for the next six months. Please tell your friends about the Danny Mac podcast. Those of you who have subscribed already, thank you. Keep them coming. Please use the comments page. Please let your friends know if they're sports talk fans or if they're uh, they're old Mac fans. Thanks for spending some time with me today for the gang at Bet Rivers and Sam Michael and Oak Park Vandy. I don't know why I gave him a plug. I'll see him in a little while. I'm Dan McNeil. Thank you for listening. I'm Taillights. Enjoy week one.